Well, Ron, we almost missed this week, but we just couldn't bring ourselves to do it. We decided to crank a podcast out on the last minute on a Tuesday when it's supposed to be out. I'm hoping to get this podcast out by the end of the night so it does hit our Tuesday deadline. But up until yesterday, I was ready to... We just have been... I've been so busy, and I know you've been pretty busy too at work, that it was mm-hmm. it was getting to the point where I thought we were going to miss out. But you were able to get some time, and I made some time, and we're just going to have a little... I guess it'll be a mini episode today. What have you been up to? Well, I went down to the Caribbean, did that trip. I uh, got back, and it has been... For lack of a better term, balls the wall at work. It's been crazy. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the season where it's tough to find things to shoot. So you do do a lot of editing. There's a, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm trying to learn with video uh, and video editing so that we can improve the YouTube channel. I know we've we've talked about that. We keep throwing it out, but it's it's uh, something that we're going to make a concerted effort at this year and try to try to build that up with some uh, some tips and some how-tos on the YouTube channel. And so I am currently, you know, you're an old hat with the video editing, but I'm currently trying to learn how to how to make it look a little bit more commercial and not just filmed with the, <laughs> the handy cam of old right. and throw it up. So that's it something is that that very difficult on. if you spend a little bit of time and you just think through the process and then actually, you know, it's just – sitting it's like driving a car the more you do it the better you get and it's just gonna it's just a time thing and then i mean to tell a really decent short story is you you can make that happen pretty quick Mm -hmm. yeah but i and i know you've said this in the past and we've covered this in the past i think that one of the important things to remember is the more you edit the better you're going to be when filming because you know what you needed after you're done Oh, that's it. That's it. And then retaining that information. So the next time you go shoot, you're like, oh, you know what? I searched and searched and searched for this shot that I didn't shoot last time that would have saved my, you know, it could, it could potentially save you an hour's worth of time looking for a suitable shot to replace what you should have shot, which it might've taken you 10 seconds to shoot this little shot that would bridge the gap between two stories or make a transition. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you miss that and, you know, it's just a time thing. Good shooters really come from good editors. If you get a chance to edit and you just see where all the pitfalls occur, you really quickly become a really good shooter by by being right. an editor. The camera, you know, in listening to you and, and then talking to Doug when I've been out with him as well, the camera work is is pretty easy to pick up. And I think that... You know, that's that's where I may be having an advantage over somebody that's just coming in uh, because I know how to run a camera and it's just making those adjustments to, you know, to video and the, the slower frame rates and that kind of thing. But making sure that you get all those shots that you never had to think about before. You know, I drive by I drive by snow blowing off the cliff every time that I'm out shooting something in the wintertime. But for a video that's an important shot to show the, the wind and the, the snow blowing off or show the, the grass moving in the snow. And those things that you always drove by now become critical to, like you said, telling that story completely. So that's kind of what I've been focusing on. It's totally easy to miss that stuff. I was, uh, I was talking with my buddy Ray Menzi up in Alaska today, and he was, um, he was talking about getting into video, and I, 
and I got to telling him the other thing that I noticed over the years is you can have a videographer that moves to stills or you can have a still shooter that moves to video. And I think people that go from stills to video are way better videographers than a videographer trying to become a still shooter. And I don't know why it is. Um, my only thing is, is, you know, we're as a still shooter, it's all about composition and getting that one moment in time, right? If you can compose that and get that shot, and I think this speaks to what you said about got the camera stuff down. You know what a good shot is. You know what the settings are supposed to be. You know what you're trying to get. And all, if all you have to do is apply a little movement, that's a heck of a lot easier than someone that is just shooting video and can kind of let the camera do a lot of the work for them or you know, just rely on the movement of the video to help cover some of the stuff that they aren't so good at. I just I think a still shooter moving to video is always a better recipe. It's not always the case. Of course, people can go both ways, and it's sure. But in general, that's what I've seen with a lot of the people that I've worked with. Yeah, and I was you know I was either going to be Jacques Cousteau or Marty Stoffer anyway from when I was a little kid. So it's it's kind of a natural progression going back to wanting to do more videography, and I. I just enjoy it. It's a different challenge. And it uh, is. You know, it I can really see is. why you and Doug and, and others have made that transition. The other thing that I've been doing is driving myself nuts watching, you know, in the in the late winter, early spring, there's all these uh, camera conferences. And this is when the bigger companies, the, the Canons, the Sonys, the Nikons, typically announce their new cameras. And so I was kind of all set to, I'd, I've been looking at this for a long time and the best hybrid system where I could video and photograph with the same system and have it be usable for, you know, higher end type work. Like we're trying to, trying to get on our YouTube channel. And I thought I was all set. I thought that, you know, Sony was going to be the way to go and that, the uh, Sony A7S series has always been kind of their video hybrid series. It's a smaller sensor, you know, like a 12 to 16 megapixel sensor, fantastic in low light because you're not cramming as many megapixels on that full frame sensor. And they basically established it for video. And so they've been talking for a couple of years now about why haven't they come out with the A7 III uh, because the A7 II has been out for... I think four years now, and they haven't had a replacement. And Sony's come out with a couple statements saying that, you know, they wanted it to exceed the consumer's expectations. They want to put something out that's that's, it's going to be a fantastic piece of machinery. You know, like I've talked about in the past, those rumor sites, a lot of the information that they get comes off of, you know, the the filings. So if if they file, um, patent. The patent, thank you right. very much. My tongue was tied. If they file something with the patent office, then it's you know it's something that they're working on and they want to make sure that they've got it locked down before they release it. So they look at these patent filings, and that seems to be the direction that Sony's going. They're it's going to be you know a higher quality video, probably like 6K, um, is what people were thinking. And I thought you know what, I'm going to wait until that camera comes out because then I can go with the A92 and then the A7S would, S3 would be my video camera. 
Well, then, as often happens, when one of them pushes the boundaries, there's going to be another one that pushes. And Canon has been kind of lagging in this area. And now, all of a sudden, Canon just announced that they are going to do the uh, 5R. So it's not the 5D. The 5D series has been their kind of video hybrid series since the 5D2. And it's always been a kind of artistic camera. And this 5R is going to shoot. And we don't have the specifics yet. I don't know if it's 8K cropped. I don't know if it's just 8K time lapses. But it's going to shoot 8K. And the other thing that I don't know is what we've talked about with your RED camera is that the heat produced is kind of a limiting factor, especially for some of these smaller bodies. So there's a lot of details that we don't know, but Canon has confirmed that this thing is going to shoot 8K and it will have 4K at uh, 120p. So 120 frames a second with 4K. And that is, you know, big for what I'm looking at has the potential to be kind of a big announcement. So how did and, you find uh, that out? Is it just like, it's just the rumor sites or? Well, initially it was the rumor sites. And then uh, lately it's kind of blown up and Canon, basically their hand was forced. They had to either confirm or deny because there were so many people saying, no, that's impossible. There's no way they can do it. Or yeah, I mean, if these are the specs, then this is the direction of the future and Canon did come out and confirm last week that this camera is in development. It will be released this year, and it will have 8K potential, or so it will have 8K video. Is it the form factor of the 5D then, or is it the form factor of the small mirrorless? It's going to be a little bit bigger, it sounds like, than the uh, initial mirrorless, the R, the EOS R. Uh, it's going to be a little bit bigger, but it's going to be more in line with kind of the 5D. Uh, it's going to be right around that 20 frames a second um, with the electronic shutter, 12 frames a second with a mechanical. And so it, it is going to be a high-powered camera, and I think it's probably going to be a little bit more than what people anticipate, especially if it comes out with the specs that they're they're talking about. But you've got, you know, the they announced the 1D, 1DX Mark III, which is an incredible piece of machinery, and they kind of anticipate, you know, in the Olympic years, they get those new bodies out. So the Olympics are this summer and they kind of anticipate this thing being out ahead of the Olympics, you know, like a June release for this camera also. So now I'm in a dilemma. <laughs> I spend too much, spend too much time talking or watching some of these YouTube videos and reading articles, trying to keep up on the latest and greatest. And I don't always buy the latest and greatest, but I like to keep up on where things are headed. And it definitely looks like, that is the direction that they're going, and that's where they've been putting their resources for the last few years. That's interesting. I, I mean, man, AK is so, I don't know, I, I just don't see many applications for AK. I guess having a camera that can do that is pretty cool. You know, saying that I, I, see, I, have, a, I have a camera that'll do it, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of limitations to doing that too. I mean, the horsepower just to run that 8k camera and i think we talked about it on a podcast before or if we didn't let me know we decided one of our commercial projects i don't know this is like last december we decided mm -hmm. we were going to shoot in 4k on these sony's right we were just going to up the game and shoot the whole thing in 4k which we normally just shoot it in hd because it only goes out in hd 
So why shoot mm-hmm. the 4K? Although if you're shooting 4K, you've got that crop factor, right? So you can crop in and post if you want to because you got, you're dealing with a lot more data. Mm-hmm. So we decided we'd do this. And, and in doing that, some of our stuff is long format interviews. So when we're sitting there interviewing somebody for, say, I don't even know, 30 minutes, and we're shooting at 4K, and if we had a microphone on top of the camera, those cameras would overheat and shut down, those Sonys. Mm-hmm. So we had figured yeah, out that you had to take the microphone off, you had to open up the battery door, you had to pull the monitor away from the body. And, and with that, you could most likely get it to run and not shut down because of heat. But I can't imagine if you're just throwing another 2,000 pixels or 4,000 pixels in there. 4,000, doubling it, yeah. <clears throat> and you look at the red camera that I'm using, I mean, half of that body is just fans, and those fans, fans. run all the time just to cool that and sensor. So that's well, not the why sensor, they but the they, inside. Yeah, that's why they thought that they were updating the uh, – that the – a7s3 was going to be at least 6k because they one of the patents that they filed and one of the images that got leaked showed a a fan port so they were taking that into consideration and they were putting a cooling system inside that camera body which obviously is going to you know it's going to detract from any weather sealing it's not going to be weather sealed camera system but it will get rid of that heat and you know like you said be able to to film a little bit longer so you remove one of those limitations. Right. Um, I, I haven't seen anything about the Canon having the same technology built in. And with that small of a camera, you know, like you said, your red is, it's a, a brick or actually two bricks put together. Right. Uh, in size. So they can afford to put those larger fans in there to keep that thing cooled. This thing, I just... That's why I kind of wonder, you know, there's going to be some constraints, even if it can film in 8K, there's going to be some constraints, whether they be, you know, time limits or, you know, overheating issues that they haven't anticipated. But I don't know. I'm anxious to see what this thing looks like when it's when it's all said and done. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, it's fun to go through all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Ultimately, the camera really doesn't make that big of a difference is just whatever camera you have with you at the moment, right? That gets you the shot yep. that you want to get. But some of the fun parts of photography for me are this technology and being able to push it to the limit. And, you know, we're, we're able to get stuff now that we haven't been able to get, you know, it's oh, only been yeah. the last few years that we've been able to get stuff. So that part of the technology is cool because it just opens up so many more possibilities. So, mm-hmm. huh? Absolutely. Well, so that's kind of where I've been spending a little bit of time, just doing some research. And but then you, you know, everybody's announcing it like it's a done deal, but nobody's put hands on this thing. It's not even out there yet. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I don't know, you know, how the performance is going to be. I have no doubt, and this is one of the reasons I kind of was hopeful that Canon would eventually do something like this is because they're the dual pixel autofocus, um, far and away exceeds anything else right now the a92 i have heard i i would like to get my hands on one of those rent one or whatever and uh, and just see if what they say about it's true i i think uh kate and adam yeah adam said that it's it's like it's cheating because you can't miss focus with that thing <laughs> that it's that it's that good well um, he so let I, me I use like his yeah, yeah he let me just you know, play with it a little bit. And I, 
I never shot an actual picture, but I did run through the autofocus, just putting it on different things, and it was pretty darn fast, I'll have to tell you. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I don't want to stick too long on this, but you just jogged my memory. I was watching a video the other day about uh, from a YouTuber, and he was like, I just spent $16,000 on this camera, and am I crazy? You know, that's his kind of lead-in on the YouTube video, and so it got my attention, and I'm like, what? What camera is he buying? And this is a strictly a video camera, so it may or may not be of interest to our audience, but it was the new Canon C500. Yeah, And it ticks all the boxes. I mean, if you're looking at, like, if you want a straight-up video camera, I don't know that there's... There's obviously better cameras as far as resolution. There's obviously better cameras... Well, maybe just resolution because that camera is doing almost everything you could possibly want for video. It does have that that dual pixel autofocus. Mm-hmm. It has the XLR for audio. It shoots 4K. I think it shoots higher than 4K. It's lightweight. The batteries last forever. I, you know, it's. I, I don't know. I I actually looked at it and it's like, man, maybe I should sell these Reds and. And that might be the camera to go with. I mean, you're you're not able to shoot yeah. 8K raw on it, but you can shoot 4K raw. And we're going to be at 4K for a while. I don't think 4, 8K is ever going to be a, yep. a household Sorry. thing anytime soon. It's more for post-production and other reasons to have 8K. It's not for someone to sit down and watch TV at 8K. So, right. I don't know. Pretty interesting. Um, I can put a, we'll put a link in the show notes to that video that I'm referencing, just because if you are interested in video, it is pretty interesting to see what this guy's impressions and the why, the reason why he did purchase that camera. So, well, I've been spending the last month, well, the whole month of January, I was on the road for, for shoots and I didn't get a chance to do any outdoor wildlife stuff. Although that's not I, true. <laughs> you texted you texted me a shot. Yeah. So last week <laughs> from the we were wilds in, of the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> we're in LA last week doing this the shoot and I don't know how many people have been to LA recently, but if you haven't been there, you probably heard about it. It just getting around the city of LA is a nightmare. Just the traffic is just amazing. It's you to go fourteen miles can be an hour easy. So we were we had like an hour to spare going from one location to another so that's not really enough time to go to our hotel and switch out batteries or whatever the guy i was with and myself we we saw we found a nature trail that was close and we're like hey we'll just kill an hour and we'll hike up this trail for a half a mile or whatever it's supposed to be a waterfall at three quarters of a mile up the trail so we thought let's just hike up there we'll kill an hour and then we can get to our next shoot and uh we get we start walking down this trail and i pass this couple on the trail and they're like I said, did you guys go up there? Did you make it to the waterfall? How far is it? What's it look like? And they're like, no, we didn't go. Somebody said there's a bear in the area. And I'm like, you know, rewind. I'm like, a bear in the area? We're sitting here right on the edge of L.A. And it can't be a bear in the area. But sure enough, we got to the trailhead, and there's a little bear sign, just like you would see all over Alaska or in Rocky Mountain National Park or wherever, just like warning, a warning sign, just saying be aware and, you know, watch. There could be a bear around. And. So I didn't give it much thought. Nobody said they had seen a bear. They just said that there could be a bear, right? So we went hiking up the trail, and I'm not kidding. We're less than a third of a mile up the trail, 
and we're only I don't know less than a mile away from the right the edge of one of those great big suburbs in LA and sure enough I look over to my side and there's a bear just chomping away on some grass doing his own thing it was pretty cool it's it's like one of those things that you just don't expect and it was kind of cool to see I mean just goes to show you there's wildlife all over the place you just gotta Mm kind of know where to go and what to look for yeah, and you were saying there was a bunch of mountain lion sightings, mountain lions, coyotes, and and the black bears in that kind of same vicinity. Yeah, not too far away. We had to do another interview, and it happened to be next to this green belt. And I started talking to this woman. And she's like, "Oh yeah, we live on this green belt." And she said, "I can't let my dog outside because it's it's not going to make it." She's like, "We see mountain lions pretty regularly. They see bears a lot. They see um, coyotes a lot." So mm. she, she's like, uh, "It's like it's she's." They really appreciate living there, but they're they have to be very leery about pets and that sort of even small kids. You know, out in the backyard, you just can't leave them alone because there is a lot yeah. of activity. So, I mean, it's pretty cool if you've been to LA. It's just masses of humanity, and then you go right up to these mountains, and there's pretty much nothing. It's just these really steep uh, hillsides that are, you know, probably a ton of wildlife. So, kind of mm-hmm. cool. That's if deep. you're in LA, there's there's definitely things out there. I had a friend that lives in LA and I, I sent the picture to them and they're like, no way, you know, they live there and they have always wanted to see a bear and they never, never have. And I'm like, yeah, well just drive across the city. You know, it might take you two hours, but you can come over here and I'll bet you that bear's not going anywhere for a couple of days. Yeah. Why would he? Yeah. There's plenty of nice green grass and a little Creek running through there and I'm sure it's just fine. Awesome. So that's all I've been up to. Um, we don't really have anything else as far as a guest plan for the show, but we do have some tips that we thought we'd run through. Mine are kind of lame today, but uh, you said you had a good one that you didn't want to tell me about until we did the oh, podcast. It's, uh, it's not a good one. It's not a good one? It's almost had me crying for the last week and a half, two weeks. <laughs> so when... We did our last, we recorded our last show, um, the, the tips episode. I talked about, I'm not going to take a camera down to the Caribbean. I was just going to take action cams, which I did. And I took all three of them. I took the, um, Osmo pocket. I took the Osmo action and I took the GoPro eight, the hero eight, which I will say hands down ease of use the gopro hero 8 is the bomb really over the osmo action over the osmo action yep you can you can go through the menus while you're underwater um switch your recording speed you can you can change everything up it's completely water sealed um the osmo action the battery and i think mark at one time talked about this is that his uh the battery flap or the battery door one time he thought it was sealed, but it wasn't completely sealed. Yeah, that so was on my camera. To... Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. So uh, um, it it did that down there. Yeah. So it completely shut it down for uh, two days, I think. Yep. Um, but the GoPro is all, you know, it's all nice and tight. You When you close it to get it to latch, you have to seal it up. So I would say ease of use that's the way to go. Now I have heard a couple issues. The one being that 
you can't change the lens on it like you can with the other GoPros because they did build it all one piece. And that's true. You can't. It's it's a if you scratch the lens, you just have a scratch lens. Buy a new one. So I'm hoping that they'll change that. If you need to replace it, you have to send it in and I couldn't tell you how much that would cost. But anyway, uh, ease of use that GoPro Hero 8 was awesome. And that's just because it connected to the app and it just hit it record or what what yeah. was the ease of use? Hit record and the touchscreen is so responsive that I could scroll through the, the menus just with the touchscreen. Like I said, you could do it underwater because all you have to do is hit the touchscreen and then just kind of swipe uh, right, left, up, down to get to the menu settings that you need. You can change your, you know, your frame rate. You can change to the ultra wide. You can change to, you know, more of a square uh, type form factor for your for your videos. It's just really, really easy to use, and you get to everything with, you know, the touch of a finger. Um, the part that made me cry was <laughs> we're on our way back, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say the name of the airline because I'm just infuriated and I don't want to dwell on that but they were on the way back and we're waiting down in in Punta Cana waited for three hours the flight was delayed for three hours and then I find out we were supposed to go straight to St. Louis and then right back to Denver I find out the reason that we're delayed is because they're waiting for this pilot from another plane it wasn't a mechanical issue just they're waiting for a pilot so they can give him a ride back home well I'm thinking this guy's going to St. Louis well no they go to Orlando. <laughs> we fly from Punta Cana to Orlando, then Orlando to St. Louis. And then as soon as we get on the ground in St. Louis, we're six hours late. As soon as we get on the ground, grab your stuff, get off the plane. We got to get people to their next flight. And, and this is like three o'clock in the morning. That plane is our next flight. But since we are bringing other people on board, everybody that was on the international part had to deplane get off the plane and then uh, customs had to go through the plane and then we reboarded. Well, in the process of doing that, I had my cameras in a black case and I had it under the seat because I was filming everything while we flew. And I looked under, grabbed everything, threw everything in my backpack and somehow my black case ended up staying and I still don't know where it is. I, uh, there's a process to go through to recover lost and found with this, with this airline. And I've gone through that process. I have not heard anything back, uh, but we will see. I'm the lady on the plane told me that customs would take everything. I talked to the customs agent. He assured me that that is not the case. They return it to the airline and then it goes into their lost and found system. So I'm still working on that process, but as of right now, I don't have my GoPro Hero 8 anymore. What about the footage? Were you able to download stuff? No, because I didn't take a I didn't take a computer. Oh, so I'm still holding out hope, but less and less every day. Yeah, well, you never know. I mean, I've I've heard of situations like that where all of a sudden it does show up, and it's just amazing that it it did find its way. But yeah, that's a bummer, buddy. Yeah, it you know it was just it. Fortunately, it wasn't, well, not fortunately, because it's it's just as heartbreaking. Uh, 
it was it was all family stuff. It wasn't anything you know commercial or anything like that. But yeah, the family stuff, those memories is what I took it down there for in the first place. So to not have that is is a little bit disheartening, and I'm pissed at myself and pissed that we were shuffled around and herded out of there so fast. And but it was my fault. I didn't take the time to you know do a second third look under there, and so. As of right now, it's gone, and I've got to reacquire GoPro. Did you so, have your name and stuff on that bag or no? Yeah, my name was in there. Um, I didn't have my contact information in there, but my name was in there, and then my name's on all the cameras. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm also – the law enforcement end of me is always a little bit more negative and – you think, yeah, well, somebody just got a hold of that and made their kid's birthday Christmas and next year's birthday. <laughs> wow. Were you in the same so, seats, the actual same yep, seats? or were... Same seat, same everything, same plane, same seat. Huh. But it was not there. And, the, you know, I guess I'm not going to dwell on that too long, but that is my tip is whether you – when you're traveling for photography – and I always do this. This is why I'm so mad at myself. You look once, load everything up, go back, look again, get on the stinking floor in the hotel room, look under the bed, make sure you didn't, you know, knock anything under the bed, open the drawers, make sure you're thorough, and uh, you come home with everything you left home with. Yeah, for sure. I so, mean, it's so tough. I've I've had that. I've left stuff on planes. Not a bunch of things but i've had it happen a couple of times and i fly a lot so and both times i was able to get it back but it did take a little while and well one didn't one i was flying in one day and left the next morning on another plane to go somewhere else and i realized that morning when i got there that oh man i left my ipad on the plane and fortunately mm -hmm. i just got to the place and i was able to describe the ipad and this woman's like oh yeah i just gave that to these people so I ended up having to track them down through the airport, but I actually was able to to get it back, it back that next morning. But well, wow. hopefully they're. You know, I've got to tell you, they're the way they track bags. Now this is bags that have been tagged and stuff. I mean, it mm -hmm. wasn't that many years ago where you're like, God, I hope my luggage shows up. But <laughs> right, you know, yeah. In the last five years, I think I've lost bags twice. But or they've lost my bag twice, and generally it's not lost. Right. It's just like oh, it didn't make the plane, or oh, it's right. it got on this other plane or whatever. Be there and in I, a couple hours. Well, or the, or we'll get it to you next the next day or something. I always right. get them back, yeah. but you know, the loss has got to go down. But mm -hmm. you're right, man. That double checking. I'm constantly like tapping, like I always carry my passport with me. I never mm -hmm. have it off. I always have pants that have a little zipper pocket, and, and I and I check in that, and check, make sure I got my wallet, and I check, make sure I got my phone, and it's just this process that I've kind of adopted to make sure that you know. And I never take anything out of my bags, you know, my camera bag. But a lot of times you take something out of your laptop bag. It's super easy to leave a hard drive or yeah, you know, stuff things yeah. in that pocket, and ugh. Yeah, and well, I just I'm had, sorry to hear I, that. I had him out because I was filming the sunset while we were flying in the clouds and that kind of thing, you know. So yeah, that was that was the tough lesson learned. Yeah, well, for sure. 
I just wanted to cry a little bit on air. It wasn't really a tip because I'm sure everybody else does that. Yeah, Checks. but it's a good reminder, yeah. which is just as good as a tip. You yeah. know, this stuff costs a lot of money. You can't be uh, – you just got to check and recheck and double check. Yep. What do you got? Uh, so my tip is I just got done with this big four-week shoot, and we were using a variety of different cameras from GoPros to drones to uh, the Sony cameras, Canon cameras. And we just have so many different cards at the end of every day that, you know, managing those cards and not losing the little mini SD cards, I'm trying to come up with a better system so that I can manage these these cards. And then the other thing is you don't want to mix up cards that are have been formatted with cards that you just shot on. So you got to kind of develop a system that works for you. And what I like is these little think tank card pouches and they all come in different colors. So I've got a red one, I've got a green one, I've got a blue one. And what I've started to do is is green means go. So I'll put all my cards that have been formatted in, in the green card holder. And then I'll also have two of them for different formats. So I have one that is for like all my SD cards and I have another one for compact flashcards. And then my red one that means stop and that means okay i'm going to put every card that's been shot into this red red card holder so that when i get back to the hotel every night i know that i just grab my red card holder and those are the images that i need to download that night mm -hmm. so uh, it's a pretty simple tip but i and i'm sure people have a million ways to do it i used to use the same card card holder for everything and every card that had been shot i would just put in upside down and that works but now with so many different card formats, I just found it easier to have several different pouches and then I know which pouch has what kind of card and that saves a little bit of time too when you're in the field. It's like, oh, I just need a new card for the Sony or I need a new card for the, for the drone or I need a new card for my Canon, which is a compact flash card. Or, mm -hmm. yeah, is that it? CFast card. Yeah, so we have CFast yeah. and compact flash and so... <clears throat> I've just found it to be a pretty awesome little system. And I don't think these things are all that expensive. I don't know. I didn't buy the last one. It was a gift. And the other ones, it seems to me like when you buy a Think Tank bag, they used to give you one of these with the bag. Yep, they so do. I, I think they still do. I think that's where I ended up with most of these. And fortunately, I just got a bunch of different colors. But I've been using the colors as a as a little system, as what may, what's been shot, what hasn't been shot, and then also as what kind of cards go in which pouch that's my my tip but that's one tip i only have one other one lined up for the today do you have any others go ahead what's go your ahead. other one and it's not a photo <laughs> a photo tip it's an audio <laughs> tip but mm -hmm. more and more of us are shooting audio in the field right if you want to get good audio you're always better off having a microphone you can rely on the microphone that's in the camera. That works. But a lot of times it sounds really tinny or somebody can be pretty far away and it's hard to shoot, you know, hard to hear. You can have a shotgun and that goes right into the camera and mounts on top of the camera. And that's pretty good. But if you've got a person that's kind of far away, that's not always the best solution. You can also have a wireless mic, but then you have a wireless receiver and a wireless transmitter and you have to get all that set up. I found this little thing made by Zoom. It's that Zoom F1, 
And what this is, is it's a little pack. It's basically just a digital audio recorder that you can put a, a lavalier mic on it. And it's, you can't, the bad thing about it is you can't monitor it when you're shooting. So once you put this on someone, say you're going to do a little interview, or you're going to interview a biologist, or you're going to interview a fellow shooter, or you're going to do something like that, you, you put the microphone on, you hit record, and basically they can go 100 yards away and you're still recording their audio. You know, you can be shooting from a trailhead of them, you know, 100 yards down the trail, but we can still pick up their audio or you can sync it up later. And I've just found that this thing has come in handy so many times when I'm out in the field. And, you know, a lot of times we're using those um, wireless microphones that have a transmitter and receiver. But a lot of them have a distance where you can only go 20 yards or 30 yards and then the signal starts to break up. If you're buying the medium range versions, you know, they just don't have a huge range. And we don't buy the high end ones like Hollywood uses because those end up being three or four thousand dollars. But you can get a pretty decent little pack for or a setup for like 800 bucks. But you're dealing with that distance thing. Well, we'll end up throwing this on somebody that may be getting far away or this thing is so small. I just throw it in my camera pack. And, you know, I may or may not know if I'm going to be recording audio that day. But if I have this, at least I know I'm going to get quality audio. I'm going to get better audio than I'm going to get through the camera or using a shotgun if I'm talking to a person. It's probably not that great mm -hmm. for for other stuff, but, you know, I bet, I've not tried this, but I bet you could, if you wanted some natural sound to go with a video that you're working on, and let's say you're out there trying to shoot, I don't know, let's just say uh, grouse. If you're out there after grouse, and you know how vocal they are, well, if you get there prior to daylight, you could potentially just run out there, and this thing is so small, you could set it up in a lek and kind of camouflage it, hit record, and then back off. And then you've just got a recorder at the middle of all the action that would probably pick up again better than if you had, you know, one of those cheaper little uh, shotgun mics on the top of your camera. So mm -hmm. I've just found it as an awesome little tool just to, and it's so small, it just packs in my bag and I just take it with every setup, whether I'm shooting stills or video or whatever, since all these cameras shoot stills and video now anyway, having the ability to, to record audio a little bit better audio, whether it's a person or anything else, it's it's turned out to be pretty cool. The downside is, is you can't monitor it while it's being recorded. So if I'm shooting an interview with a with a transmitter and receiver, that receiver is going, the input is going right into my camera, and the camera has headphone jacks, so I can sit there and monitor. So if I'm hearing scratching, or if I'm hearing wind, or if I'm hearing interference within the microphone, I can address it. With this one, there's no way mm -hmm. to monitor it because it's just a recorder. So you just hope that once you set it up, everything's good. You lock the button so that if it accident accidentally gets a button gets pushed, it doesn't turn it off, and you just let it roll all day long. And um, it's been quite the awesome little device. We'll put a, sh a link in the show notes to it, but I can't remember. I think it's... Did you say F1? Yeah, it's a Zoom F1. I think it was like 199 I can't remember exactly, but it's come in handy more than once. So awesome. That, that's the other one I had set up. Well, in the my only, the only other one that I had for today was uh, in the past. We've talked about being intentional and shooting intentional, especially if you're you're new to it. You're going to get better images if you are intentional in planning where you go and 
when you want to be there to, to capture the behaviors that you want to capture. And this downtime, one of the things that I do besides just sit and edit and re-edit images, in the, in the downtime, what I like to do is go through with a calendar and I just highlight, you know, what's going on during these months. And so, you know, for instance, September, it's moose rut, elk rut, you know, moose rut in Alaska, moose rut, Grand Teton National Park or Yellowstone Park, elk rut, Colorado, elk rut, Wyoming, elk rut, Canada. And I'm just kind of laying that year out. So then when I go back, I can, I can plan, you know, the, the times that I'm going to be able to, to be in the field. I can identify exactly where I want to be and the, the times that I want to be there to capture, you know, the behaviors or the part of the life cycle that I want to capture. And that was this last year, for instance, one of the things that I, that I laid out a couple of my goals, one was to capture um, elk strip in the velvet. And so I knew, you know, I've got about a three week period where this is going to, where this has got potential to happen. Usually I, you know, the end of that period is, you know, there's a high likelihood that it's going to be done by then. Uh, but I know that I need to look at this window of time, you know, from what, say August 15th to the first week in September. And this last year I had that, I had that window kind of reserved, but what I did is I laid back and watched people's social media and waited for those images to start showing up. And then also talk to different people in the area that I was planning on going to. And sure enough, I was able to get, get there and, you know, uh, Gary and his son with Creek bed images again, can't thank you guys enough. Cause they put me on a bull that was one that was in the process of, and the second one hadn't started yet. And that, that I ended up spending 24 hours with and, and being able to capture it from start to finish both on video and with stills. It helps you when you, when you lay out your year and you know what you're wanting to look for during those periods of time, it helps you to identify where you need to put your focus based on the goals that you have for that year or maybe assignments that you have for that year. I so think that's, that's a I good tip. I like that tip a lot. I, uh, it's kind of ironic that you say that because just earlier today I was talking with Ray and uh, we got big plans for the summer in Alaska, right? And he's mm-hmm. he's gets around and he does a lot of variety a variety of things up there. And you know, it's easy to get a one track mine up there with, oh, I'm just gonna do moose or I'm gonna do bears or whatever. Yeah. And man, there's so much. And if you can put a calendar out and say, oh, well, pikas are really good, and you can do some salmon spawning, and you can do all this other stuff that it's really easy to overlook. And if you have it on a calendar, it just is that, it's that memory jog. It's like, Oh, well maybe I don't need to do six straight days of moose. Maybe I can break off and spend a day and go do, you know, one of these littler species that may not be a keystone species. And it, or what do we call it with Mark, uh, megafauna, the The megafauna, yeah, charismatic megafauna, charismatic megafauna. Maybe we're, maybe, you know, Let's tell a little different story. Let's let's go spend a day with pika, or let's go find some marmots, or and having that calendar, I think, really helps. And and this is the perfect time of day to or time of year to do it. It is when you got downtime, you can just crank it out. And today's calendars are amazing. I mean, you can 
have it mm-hmm. on your phone in your pocket all the time. So there you less chances of just kind of taking that for granted stuff and taking it off the table, I think, by doing that. Yeah. And the other thing that it helps with is uh, you know, when I'm down photographing elk and then you get that midday or you're even before daylight before you start to photograph it helps me remember hey there's brook trout spawning in this area i could go get some underwater footage set up a set up a gopro and just let it roll for a while um and get some of that behavior as well it, again it tells helps every little bit helps tell the full story of what's going on in those areas so I, you, you kind of forget those things if you do you know like you said you get up there with those moose in Alaska and they can be pretty captivating. You could spend every moment with them instead of, you know, there's, there's 40 other species in the same drainage and I've only, I've only photographed or filmed one. Yeah. Unless somebody accidentally walks in front of your camera when you're shooting a moose and you're like, Oh, look, there's a lynx or, Oh, look, there's a doll sheep or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's so easy to fall into that trap. Yep. Good one. So, yeah. So with every project, with everything that we do in life, there's change and, you know, there's some growing pains from time to time as well. And one of those changes that's taking place right now is Mark has had to step away from the podcast um, to focus more on where he makes his living. Uh, A lot of people think we're making a lot of money doing this podcast, but I will tell you that we're out of pocket. So... And, you know, some of us are more out of pocket than others <laughs> uh, with Mike, Mike Pan for the production, that kind of thing. Uh, but Mark has had to step away. And uh, we wish Mark all the luck in the world. Hope to shoot with him again in the near future. Uh, hope to see him again in the near future. But he has decided to step away from the podcast as a host. Um, don't be surprised if he shows up at some point again. But uh, that is a change that's coming. There's another big announcement next week. Um, but that one, you know, it kind of takes the wind out of your sails when you spend a couple years with the guy that, you know, I didn't personally know Mark until we at least started talking about this project. I know, Mike, you did, and you had you'd spent time with him in the past, but I've enjoyed shooting with him and, and uh, laughing with him, letting him you know, try to pick me out from being wedged between rocks up in Alaska when I ate it with my camera. Uh, just <laughs> just having some good good memories together. And I wish Mark all the luck in the world, and I hope things uh, get to the point where they're manageable again with work, and I hope things pick up with work and, you, you know, the right things happen for him. Yeah, I know it was with great regret that he that he did that. I mean, I think he enjoyed the project, and I think he, you know, this project does have the possibility to make some money down the road. I mean, we're we're doing it because we love to do it, but if we can get a big enough audience, I mean, I think we can turn people onto some other stuff, or we could get some sponsors to help us pay for it. Or, um, but that for him is he needs to have a spend a lot of his time producing the imagery and selling that imagery that gets the bills paid at the moment. So right. Totally understand. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Raycroft hats off to you. 
thank you for everything over the last couple of years. And again, look forward to shooting together again in the future at some point. Yeah. And, and like you alluded to earlier, we do have, um, Nick, just tune in to next week's show because it will answer the questions about how we're going to proceed from here. And then also, um, that show is going to be at least a day late because we had to schedule the program or the recording of that show just like this week on Tuesday. Um, so it'll be a little bit late, but just bear with us. Once we get that show out the door, we plan on hitting it up every week, just like we have been and, and, uh, having that show out there weekly and on Tuesdays, like everybody expects. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, coming up on our 100th episode. And uh, so what we'd like to do for our 100th episode is give you guys the opportunity to tell us what you'd like to what you'd like to hear. Um, we're looking at the possibility of doing a live show. Uh, if we can figure out the logistics of doing the uh, either Instagram or Facebook live, doing a live recording at which, you know, if if we get that done, then we'll be able to have you guys asking us questions live on the air, on the spot, so we have no opportunity to prepare for it. And then uh, you can really hear us stumble, the unedited version of our stumbling. Right. Um, right. But those are some things that we'd like to do this year. And, and again, like to get more content out to everyone through YouTube and things like that. And, and please let us know where you're at in the field. And if we're in the same area, we'd love to get together and, and – if not shoot, at least share a dinner um, and that kind of thing and, and just get to know folks that are out there that appreciate what we're trying to do. Yeah, and along the same lines of, of queuing it up for a live show, just any show, I, I love to hear from people that say, hey, can you talk to us a little bit more about aperture, about light, about what are those topics that you know we could spend an hour talking about with a guest, we could go find a guest that is really good at something, or we could find a topic or a, or a technique that, um, if there's a lot of people that write in and say, Hey, we'd love to know a little bit more about, I don't know, a particular lens or a particular setting or something. I think a lot of times we get off on these tangents where we talk over a lot of people just assuming that everybody knows everything. And I know that's not the case. So if there's a way that we can remedy that by, by drilling down into some subjects a little bit deeper for a better understanding, uh, let us know. Mm-hmm. All right. In the words of Mark Raycroft, you've been listening to Wild and Exposed. Thanks for tuning in. 